The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. In this week's episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, we talk about tech hosting a regional, some recruiting info on basketball and football, and some listener questions. The 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. What's up? The wrong, the wrong Michael. Not the not the Michael McDonald, Michael Lamar. <laughs> right. I was going to try to make some kind of joke. and um, Yeah, so McDonald had his wisdom teeth removed last week. This afternoon, bailed out on us. Said he couldn't do it. What a wimp. Don't worry. Um, I'm shorter. I got more hair and maybe a little bit more annoying, but... Let's go. <laughs> I wouldn't say more annoying. The the more hair thing is definitely true. Um, definitely more more knowledge about baseball. This guy doesn't know anything about baseball. So, obviously, we're going to talk about baseball this week. Texas Tech is hosting a regional um, starting on Friday. By the time we come back and record on ne- next Tuesday, we'll know whether or not they, they've advanced through the, the regional and who they'll play or if, they're, if their season's done. We'll touch on a little bit of recruiting. We got some questions that came in um, regarding recruiting, and of course, you know, Michael writes most of the recruiting stuff on the Staking the Plains website. Um, and then we'll touch on what we learned this week. But first, because I really so born and bred Texan, and, and, and so was Michael. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of heat. Right? I'm I'm one that's like. It gets to 100 degrees. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going outside. Summertime's in Dallas. You go outside for 15 minutes. Say this isn't worth it. Go back indoors. Right. So I'm not looking forward to this week. The entire week forecast 100 degrees plus. What? I don't even know what to do besides just not go outside. Yeah. The, the problem is, is specifically the fact that the regional is in Lubbock. And of course, Texas Tech chooses the day game. It's going to be 108 during that game. Of course, it's dry heat, as people like to point out, but 108 is still brutal, man. Yeah, so when when Tech was out on the road facing Louisville and Kentucky, it was actually like really it was, yeah, it was like 40 degrees. Really cold. Degrees. It was raining and snowing. And now we're like, hey, Louisville, you want, want to come back for you know home and home, essentially? You're going to have to face us in 100 plus degree temperatures when which i guess maybe is the reason why tech chose their early slot but then again the team they're playing the first rounds new mexico state and they also have no heat so i i don't know yeah so let's go ahead and, and jump into into baseball i i don't really besides staying inside there's nothing else i want to do when it gets super hot is just stay in the ac although labar and i will be at the baseball game at least on friday um Secured some tickets from our our season tickets in our office. Excited to go to a well, it'll be my first regional to go to. I haven't been to a regional game. It'll be my third. I went to the first two. The first one a little bit better than the second because of the results. But 
Yeah, hoping to go to Saturday night's game, not Saturday afternoon, meaning that Texas Tech would have won their first game. Would you would expect so facing the four seed New Mexico State? Um, just like the Big Twelve tournaments, double elimination. You win three games and you and you're in. You're done. Yeah, basically. Well, if you lose, I believe the first game you'll have to win like four games. But essentially, yeah. If you take care row. of the first two, like Tech has done in every regional since Tadlock's been here, then you just need to win one more. Yeah. So the 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 problem with with losing a game in these double elimination is one, um, having to f- play more games, especially considering Tech's pitching depth, starting rotation depth. I think is really scary if you're not just looking at three games. Um, the regional, you, you can get through the regional in, in three games. You can get through the super regional in two games. Um, I think you feel pretty good about being able to get through, you know, a three-game series. If, you, if you're talking about having to play four games, um, then, you know, you're, you're starting to stretch it a little bit and calling on guys that have not been very – consistent starter well, this season. Well, actually, there's only been one consistent starter. So after game <laughs> two, you start getting to the non-consistent. Well, you know what I mean, though. <laughs> but speaking of that first game, it's usually rare that we face a team that we've seen plenty of times, especially in the past five years. We've played them like 10, 15 times. We've played New Mexico State a lot. The only other team I can think of that we've faced in a regional that we've played a lot would be New Mexico. Yeah. But they were also... They weren't like they weren't the four seed coming into the regional. No, they were the three seed, and it was actually was a little bit of a shocker when they defeated Dallas Baptist and faced us. But but I remember being for that game, we were all scared because we split with New Mexico. Like, what are we gonna do? New Mexico State's a little bit different. We beat them twice this year: once twelve and zero in Lubbock, which was just a this a total dismantle, and then a walk off win in Midland. Yeah, that Zach Reams home run. Yeah, Which, one where there's we, only like one video of it. It's from like, I think a Midland reporter or whatever shot it. But uh, Some news person. So, I mean, there's some, I guess, some good results there. And if you look even more in the past, we beat this team like 19-0 and stuff like that before. So hopefully we'll not all of a sudden start losing to these guys. I'm a little sad we aren't facing Texas State and that right fielder that could not ever find the ball. I can't oh, remember his yeah. name. And Jamie Lent knows this. it's it's perfect, but it's it's a multi-syllable name. And I I, I couldn't even begin to start to. We talking Texas Southern? Texas Southern. Texas Southern. Texas Southern. You're right. There we go. Yeah. I think that I believe that was last year, and they actually gave LSU a good run for their money in their regional game. But what those two teams do have in common is just offensive power. They do not have a lot of pitching, but they do know how to hit the ball. Okay. And sorry, I I found his name. It's Olahide Olarun Timalehan. Sorry, I'm not just even... Big O. Let's call him Big O. Big O. That that dude struggled hard in the field. Anyway, so Tech game one facing New Mexico State, like like we were just talking about. New Mexico State has an RPI of 87. So, well, considering sixty-four teams made the field, that's probably not a good thing for them. <laughs> you would you would you would think that there would be twenty-three teams ahead of them on the RPI that are scratching their head, saying, "How did he get in? Or how did they get in?" 
the magic of conference tournaments. <laughs> yeah, because they did not play a very tough non-conference schedule. Uh, according to D1 Baseball, their non-conference RPI was 127. Not very stellar. They didn't. They don't play very, um, very stout competition in their conference. Although it helped bring them up from 127 to 87. Um, some news and notes from from a, I believe, is a Louisville. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, media outlet talking about um, this regional. New Mexico State has nine hitters with a batting average better than 300 with their best guy hitting 332. Now, I don't have the Texas Tech roster pulled in front of me 332 would be best would be good for what fifth or sixth yeah that's what i was thinking <laughs> and this other guy he also has the most home runs at nine i think nine home runs for tech would also be in the five six range no it would be at least six because i think well, five I, know, I, I believe i believe little warren and young have more and reams so it'd probably be fifth i would guess i think i saw that that, that texas tech has five batters with at least 10 home runs so anything under 10 would be sixth. Um, they also have, or it's it was reported that they may they may also have some pitching depth because um, as far back as, as this reporter went, that they were losing almost all of their game threes in series. Um, so you're, I don't know if you would worry about, New Mexico, you know, seeing New Mexico State's third pitcher third starter well if we're facing their third starter we probably didn't do that well we yeah if, if you're facing their you would think if you're facing their third starter you should have a pretty good chance to to make up a game there but um for a team their 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 team like if you're looking at pitching their team era is 395 third best in this regional um unfortunately tech is the worst era i, I think that's m- more of a Recency bias. I think their their ERA, ERA, um, especially their walks have kind of ballooned over the last couple of weeks. What what have you seen from Tech the past couple of weeks? Not good baseball. <laughs> no. Um, well, it, it was better in Stillwater. It was, so, which was a good sign when they lost to TCU on the road for the first time in like five years. Lost to Texas at home. Lost some. Uh, Midweek games, he started thinking like, "Is this team going to be able to do something in the postseason?" 
But luckily, having three pretty good wins in Stillwater kind of boosts your confidence again. Like, hey, maybe this team's just starting to get hot. Which in baseball, that's exactly what you need is a team that's starting to get hot as you go into the postseason. But if you then look at the conference tournament, Texas Tech doesn't do too well. If they had gained momentum in Stillwater, they may have lost it again in Oklahoma City. I'm not too concerned because of who Tadlock threw out there kind of to see about postseason experience, who he could trust, and they never do well in the conference tournament. So me personally, it doesn't really affect how they're going to play, I think. Yeah, so I I can understand Tadlock's approach to the conference tournament in that game one, the game one starter typically has not been the ace of the staff, correct? It's usually been the third or fourth guy. Yeah. in the conference tournament, typically their best pitcher has not been the, the guy that goes first. Yeah. Um, understand that if, if you're, you know, the conference tournament, we were talking with, uh, Michael last week to win that you need to win four games. But if you lose a game, you have to. I think you end up having to play six games. So, um, you really you, you have to go. You have to kind of stretch your staff just to get to the four games. That would be a sweep through the through the, the tournament. Um, but once you lose a game, it seems like okay. Let's just see what else we've got before we get eliminated. Because again, you're 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 on really an uphill battle there, having to win five of of six you you have to win you have to win five in a row essentially at that point yeah and i think tala got a lot of answers i actually liked what he did this uh past week he found out that ty harpin who looked like a guy you could trust uh ryan shedder put together some few innings maybe he's a guy you can trust we had ryan subletty a week or to get first game he has still hasn't done that well so maybe we don't see him as much in the postseason but we found a couple long relievers that tell me be hey let's start him this game let's Bring him in this game, knowing I could get some good innings out of him. Yeah. So starting sublet um, again because of the weird timing of the start of the Big Twelve tournament. You know, you started on a Wednesday. Um, if you had moved Davis and Killian up, you were you were taking a day of rest from them um, to you know play in somewhat of a meaningless tournament for Tech. Uh, I, I think they had a pretty good. They basically, I think, had to win the tournament to be a national seed, it looked like, so wasn't really much ground to gain. Yeah, and, and it looked like they obviously had the regional um, pretty well squared away, so, you know, you, you won a game, which is fine. Um, kind of wish you had won more than one, but that's that's okay, because, again, we talk about the pitching, the starting pitching depth of, of Texas Tech. If they had won a second game, they would have played four games, or so, you know, if they'd lost the first game, and then won two more games that would have played a fourth game. Um, you're starting to look at like a fourth starter and really kind of stretching your staff for a tournament that wouldn't really benefit you all that much to win. Exactly. <laughs> I just kind of throw my hands up because it's it's just kind of it's a weird spot to be in because like I said, it started a day earlier. You don't really want to mess with uh, your starting rotations rest days. Um. So yeah, uh, you know you didn't do all that hot. Hopefully, there's no lingering effects going into the regional in terms of momentum or anything like that, because you do have a, you know, you've got two teams in your regional that are are fairly hot coming in. Before before we get to those two teams, let me ask a quick question. In the past 
Talak has started either his ace or his number two guy day one. Knowing the lack of pitching depth and the fact that you're a one facing a four, would you risk starting your third starter against New Mexico State? So I, I had thought about this, and I, the way I heard it phrased actually this morning um, is that if you don't use your one of your, your better starters, at, whether in Davis or you know Davis Martin or uh, Killian, is that you run the risk of not pitching one of those two and get eliminated. Well, my 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 th- uh, thought process behind it is if you want to win. You're going to have to get three wins, so you're going to need three pitchers anyway. So my opinion, even though I think this is a very risky move considering the weekday staffs, since the pitching has not been as on this year, I think I'd rather throw out the number three star and just see what happens. I think I would be more comfortable with that if like, we were looking at a Dushek coming in instead of a sublet. Well, I, well, maybe that third star is a Shedder or a Harpenu. Would that, would that make you more comfortable? No, because I want Harbino to come in as a long middle you want him reliever. To be the uh, the long reliever role. So maybe he would cut like the the if we're gonna have a third starter go first, Harpino would be the first guy in after him to kind of hold, you know, hold over until you know. I don't know because th- th- if you do that, then you're looking at Harpino being unavailable the second game. Needing to come in the third game after Killian, probably. Because if we're talking about... That is also a good thing about him going first, too, is you can use him later in the week if you need to. Much like Hayden Howard when he was here two years ago. I miss our good pitching. Oh, I do, too. <laughs> Not that we don't have good pitching, just right now. They're young. And it's just super inconsistent, which you, you would expect with, with young staff. Um, so, yeah, I... I would tend to skew more towards starting Davis on Friday because of my my uncertainty of having a third starter go first and possibly lose that game. You just want the kind of like the guaranteed win, like let's make sure we win this game. Yeah. I, I, I would hate to be 0-2 at a regional you're hosting and leave a guy like Killian on the shelf who has your best numbers, albeit – the fewest well, innings. Well, I'm not saying. Well, I'm, I'm not saying Killian would go third. Like maybe he pitches Saturday no matter what. You know what I mean? Like if the number three win or loss, regardless, like maybe he Killian still pitches next, knowing that it's basically a must win if they lose, and if they win, uh, the winners bracket is a huge advantage. It's game two is always the biggest game of this tournament. Yeah. So that I mean. I would want Martin to go game, game two, although I want, you know, beginning, middle of the season Martin, not this guy that we've seen the past couple of weeks, Martin. He definitely needs to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's just, it's kind of, again, it's, what I heard was um, about, like, people have been asking, what's wrong with Davis Martin, you know? Um, one of the radio guys said he's got the, the velocity. Um, he's just getting batters are getting better contact on 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 his pitches because what used to be ground balls are are now getting lofted like these are still really weakly hit balls but they're still hard enough to get past the infield in front of the the outfields they're getting kind of some weak blooper hits um and that somehow some for some reason he wasn't getting as much 
um, rotation and movement on his pitches as he was early in the season. I don't know how, how you fix that. I'm not a I'm not a, a, a pitcher. You talk to the Houston Astros. <laughs> Forget the Astros, man. All right, so we have the second game of this of this tournament that you're about to mention: Louisville and Kent State. Yeah. So I, I what what scares me is you get a team like you know, a caliber team like Louisville in here in your regional that has hosted regionals and super regionals. Uh, well, sorry, they've hosted the past five years of regionals. Um, it was just a little, little factoid. They are the only team that has made it to the past five super regionals in a row. So 2000, 2012 through 2017, they've always made it to a super regional. Um, and they're not a host this year. Not that they're not as but they're not still a you know scary team. They don't have as many first round picks is a good way to put it. Yeah, and and from the the article I, I referenced earlier, their their offense isn't something that is going to scare you, um, except you know your pitching staff and its struggles. They only have um, they have two batters hitting better than three thirteen. Um. And only two hitters have more than four home runs, so they're not like a big power hitting team. So if if you're going to be um, going after anybody, you know, on on offense, it, it would be Louisville. Um, they don't have the the offensive fire firepower that even New Mexico State has, um, but they are still a really strong team. They've got the the history of making it far into this tournament. Um, the other thing that I think you can take some, I wouldn't say comfort, but a little bit more confidence if you were to face them, is that their star closer apparently has been out since April with some kind of arm injury. It's possible he could be back, but... And as we have seen this season, Tech does have, a, even if they didn't win, they do they did have some tendencies to score runs late. Yeah, um, and, and them being out a closer, you think you'd, you know, if you were down and facing their closer or whoever it is coming in late, you might be able to make up, you know, the few runs that you might need. Facing Louisville, though, that would probably mean you won your first game, or, you know, hopefully you didn't, like, you both didn't lose your first games. Well, actually, I actually should mention that the number three seed has won the Lubbock Regional the past two years. So there is that. <laughs> you just had to throw that out there, didn't you? Of course. Speaking of the third seed, that's Kent State. Golden Flash, what what a what a great, great uh, mascot there. So, so what is a Golden Flash? Is that a is that a bird? You know what? I have no idea. I'm gonna look it up real quick. I mean, I've seen it on some Kent State highlights because I'm a crazy Boston fan, so Edelman, of course. But I've never quite got what was on their helmet. Yeah, it's it's some kind of bird. I I don't. I it looks. It's got a beak. Like a sorry, all, all birds have a beak. That was dumb. <laughs> their their logo has a a pointed, sharply pointed beak, like a, some kind of eagle. But yeah, I don't know. It's just a bird behind the K. So, anyways, so anyway. <laughs> three seed Kent State Golden Flash. They will their first game will be against Louisville. Um, you know, so their RPI they're at sixty one. So. If you're talking about looking at 64 teams making the tournament, they would be towards the bottom there. Their record against RPI uh, 
you know, RPI rank one through 25, they're one and two, uh, which is, so Texas Tech and Louisville would fall on that one to 25. Um, 26 through 50, they're, they haven't played anybody in that range. 51 through 100, they're only two and four. So again, they haven't played a lot of great competition. Um, that one, one win against top 25 RPI came against Arkansas in Fayetteville. So something I found really interesting is that Arkansas only lost three home games all year. And I'm pretty sure the other two were against, you know, like a Florida or Ole Miss or one of these national seed SEC teams. Yeah, and the other one they lost was Kent State. Now, they played a full full three-game series against Kent State, and they lost one of the three games. But it was a home game. One of only three they lost at home this season was to Kent State. So you know they've got, you know, confidence in being able to go on, a, on the road uh, in, in a tough environment and being able to win. Um, but they've they've also lost against some pretty bad teams. Sam Houston State not as good this year as they have been. They've lost two, you know, at least two games against them. Ball State, Ohio, and Miami of Ohio have all beaten Kent State at least twice. Um, they're not also not a very uh, a very good power hitting team. They don't have a a player with 10 home runs and as a, as a team have been kind of slumping. I've only hit one home run in the past eight games. So in terms of power, they're kind of limping into the con into this, this, this tournament. They, they have won 11 of their last 14. So, and Louisville did win 14 of the last 17. So there goes one hot team's going to. Yeah. So one of those is going to have to have to lose a game, but and also maybe a good thing is these winning streaks have gone for 14 to 17 games. And usually how long are you hot for? Like two, three weeks typically? That's what I would think. Like you wouldn't be going, you know, three, four, five weeks. So Like, like maybe they peaked a little bit too early? You would hope so. <laughs> that they would kind of lose their momentum um, on the road, you know, in a tournament setting against some unfamiliar foes. I don't think, besides Tech and Louisville, well, I say that. I think, besides Tech, the other three teams haven't, I I don't think they've played each other this season, whereas Tech has played both Louisville and New Mexico State. I don't think Louisville's played Kent State or New Mexico and any of those combinations. Of course, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that research and look at their schedule that closely. So... Unfamiliar foes um, on the road in a in a strange place. Going to be super hot this weekend. Um, let me ask you, Michael. Where do you? How do you see the weekend going? When I first initially saw the draw, first of all, I had just mentioned before. I say this: I'm a very pessimistic guy when it comes to sports, typically. But when I first saw the draw, I was thinking it's not a fair draw. Like it wasn't like we're playing some tough teams. But it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't an easy draw, but it wasn't a tough draw. It's just pretty normal, I thought. You had a hot Louisville team, but one where Tech split in Louisville, given it was their midday starters, but who knows, maybe we'll have to face off midday starters again. Then you had a New Mexico State team, which we dominated basically in the past, so I thought it was pretty fair. There are a lot of, but the thing about it also is all three of those teams, all three of these teams you can't overlook. This isn't no. like some tournaments where we had a Delaware or a 
believe Fairfield, the first one, we're like, oh, like we got <laughs> Fairfield. I don't even know how I remember that. It was we beat them like fourteen to one, but um, all three of those team these teams could be Tech. The Tech also has a pretty good shot against all three of these teams as well. Just we need Tech to play like they did in Stillwater, yes. where the bats were alive, and even in the conference tournament, it's out, outside of that first game they scored a lot of runs. They had bats alive. The pitching staff gives up three to five runs, which obviously we want less, but if the offensive numbers are what they were like, then that should be fine. You know, kind of like the Rangers of the 90s, basically. We just need our bats just to all explode at the right time. Well, I I, I don't know if that's, that's even asking that much. If you, you know, you're looking at Josh Young, Grant Little, to continue to do what they've done. It's not that they've gone on super hot streaks and piled up all their hits all at once um that they've been performing at a pretty consistent level all season at really high level and then you got guys that can explode like a um michael davis for example michael he he was he was really streaky but like you've also got uh, cam warren that kind of got hot in the conference tournament hit a couple home runs i still don't know how he didn't make it all but 12 teams that's a, that that's a shame right there. That that second home run in the tournament was just it was ridiculous. It looked like it was like a Vladimir Guerrero type swing out of pitch out of the zone and still somehow managed to hit a no doubter home run. Like he hit it and just he stood there. He, he there had a, a broken unwritten baseball rule. He admired it for a second. I was like, come on, dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, you have to admire those. But there is a reason why the Yankees did draft him out of junior college. So he does have some talent there. And let me just say, it was really weird to see Gabe Holt in right field. Yeah. It looks so out of place. Like, that's not a right fielder. I'm not going to lie with the whole uh, graduating thing and going back to Dallas. I did not catch a whole lot of Tech baseball the past two, three weeks. But that was a little surprising that they flipped uh, Holt and Klein. Maybe there was some fielding issues with one of those players. But who knows? Yeah, so w- with the this new... Defensive alignment, it didn't look like, like there were any issues. He had plenty of balls hit out to him, uh, Gabe Holt in right field. Didn't seem to have a problem with any of them. Maybe it's kind of like a Mookie Bet situation where you're infield, but you're so fast that you just put in the outfield and, like, you don't need to make any – like, a regular player would have to dive for a ball and you would already be there, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, he was when, – when when they put him in the outfield, they, they were the, – the broadcast was kind of making a joke, like, there's not a faster outfield – than what Tech is putting out there. With I Grant highly Little. doubt it. If there is one, I want to see. Yeah, I mean, you had Grant Little, Cody Farhat, and then you added Gabe Holt. Who is your fastest guy? That's about like 30 stolen bases in that bunch. At least, because uh, Holt had 27. I lost count, but it was, so he, it was in the 20s. He did get he, it was his first time thrown out stealing was in the conference tournament. I think he was 27 to 27. But it was that. a pickoff throw, so technically it wasn't caught stealing because he well. wasn't stealing. <laughs> he was going back to the bat, but yeah. Anyways, I I I don't know if I have a preference of you know of, of Grant Klein, or Grant Klein. That's not a guy. Brian Klein in right field or second, and Gabe Holt. Um, Whatever works. I think the biggest question is just making sure you're starting pitching. And then when you call on the bullpen, that they can continue to perform. So who do we trust out of bullpen? Just Harpenu, well, yeah, Quesada, anyone else? Well, um, if Shedder's not a starter, then I think you can trust him. 
I, I think if, if Dushek, his injury slash blister issue, if that's what it was, that got him pulled from the conference, from pitching in the conference tournament, if that's resolved, I, I think you can rely on him. Um, past that, I don't know. I just know there are guys I don't want to see. Like, is it Freeman? With you the, don't like Caleb Freeman? The long hair and the mustache? Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. Oh, come on. Him, Sublette, um, you know, only if you need to... Probably no Connor Queen this time around. He He's kind of struggled a little bit. So is uh, Dave, Dane Haveman. Yeah, I haven't seen Haveman pitch in forever. I haven't seen like a Kurt Wilson out there in a while. Yeah, I probably on the mound or, I wouldn't throw Kurt field. Wilson. I haven't really seen him pitch, but all I know is every time I check on Twitter or something, it's always a walk-walk hit or something along that line. I'm like, I, we're not saying these guys are bad, but or will be bad, but this season, it just, it's just the way baseball is. It's just the way baseball goes. It just hasn't been their season. That's the way baseball go. That's the way baseball go. Yeah, it, you, you would hope you, you have limited innings coming in from, from your bullpen, um, knowing that you've got a small group of guys you can count on. I think Quezada is your, your closer. He's got to be, I think. He's, I think he's he's actually leading the team in ERA. McMillan, do we trust McMillan in a bullpen situation, or is he going to start? I, I don't. I, I think lately he's been in the bullpen, so maybe he's just another bullpen piece. I think I would trust him more as a bullpen. End of not later in the game, maybe not end of game. Like seventh inning against the bottom of the order, or like whatever seven, situation. Eight, yeah. Kind of like your your late reliever, your setup guy to get you to could Quesada. just do the whole Cleveland Indians thing. Throw your Quesada against the middle of the order to throw a McMillan against near the bottom of the order. If that's what works, you know, <laughs> I, I I don't know what works. I'm I I'm not I'm not Tadlock. I'm not in his shoes. So I, I just know there are some really great pieces in the bullpen. Then there are a lot of people, a lot of guys. You're like, I don't feel confident in putting him in a must-win situation right now. Gotcha. So what do we think is going to happen? Is Tech going to get out of this tournament? So you you, you kind of already answered that, right? You, you, you I, gave your opinion. I, I kind of gave an opinion. I didn't give an answer. Kind of the whole when those broadcasters are announcing the game, I can't give an opinion <laughs> thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm much more confident if they win game one, if you start off in the winner's bracket, obviously you've got a much easier stretch to get to because I, I i think you and me can both agree if queen's on the mound we have a good shot to win game two yes i i don't know if you do that one you're 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 moving him up in your rotation um and then you know how pitchers are as mentally unstable as your football kickers well, what I that mean, would do to davis martin to get bumped back well if you think about it like if martin let's say it's your plan, and Martin goes one on Friday. Okay, yeah. Killian's been pitching on Saturday most of the year, so this isn't like a whole weird thing. Well, no, I I was assuming that that we were actually going with more your plan that we had a third oh. guy start game one. Well, I think well, yeah, you moved Martin back, but I mean, yes. if yeah, so if if Martin goes first, you take care of New Mexico State. I think you you feel really good about Killian going game two against either Louisville or Kent State. I'm willing to bet money Killian wins game two, no matter who he faces. Which would be outstanding if you'd also won, if you also win game one. Then you're in a, you're in a position where... And perhaps... You've got, you've got a possible three games left to win one. 
Well, it's two actually, because it would be double elimination. So we have to win one of the next two after that game two. Right. Which, Which but this- so if you were to win one of the games, so like if you won, if you won the f- the second game on Sunday. <laughs> which is the only way that you would go to to, to, to four games the four the only way you go four games is if you if you win the first two games like let's say tech wins friday afternoon saturday night we would play sunday night and if we lose that game it would be a winner take all on monday afternoon that's true either way let's so not think of this yeah in other words let's not think of scenario where <laughs> we lose game one no you you really need to win game one you feel really confident with, with killing on the mound for game two Put you in a really good spot. Um, speaking of, of pitching rotations, because you are one versus four seed on Friday, you've got the most most wiggle room in terms of like, if you were to adjust your your starting rotation, you were the one team that could do it. You could run out your number three guy on Friday, save one and two to go Saturday Sunday to win the tournament. That that would be my plan if I were Tadlock. Yes, I just you just need to be really confident in whoever you put out there on Friday to win you game one. Which in my opinion would be Shedder, but it's Tadlock's decision in the end. I would be okay with Shedder because he was doing really well against Oklahoma State in the tournament. And not only that, but when he was a, a weekday starter, he actually played New Mexico State beginning the season and he's was the one that, that the 12-0? yeah those 12-0 games so All he right. actually has done pretty solid in the weekday so okay you've convinced me let's I not convince you let's not let's not have davis martin or caleb killian go friday let's move up shatter to friday afternoon you you win friday put martin on the mound saturday night you put martin not killing well because i i don't know if i want to if i want to adjust I don't know. You don't want to move Martin that far off to start because he's he already seems like he's struggling. I don't want it to to spiral. I don't want it to get worse by moving him back because I would really want I want Killian. Watch like we're talking about all this rotation talking by the time this podcast come out it'll be announced. <laughs> yeah, well, Tyler has, has that tendency to put up, up a lot of uh, TBDs in the rotation. Which the man who him. has no name. Well, yeah, so the, he put that out there on one of the the rotations, didn't he? Was it like Maine or somebody? He's done that like four or five times this year, typically well, in the last starter spot. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was it was put as like TBD, but it showed up in like one of the the programs or whatever, like a, a lineup card as the man who has no name, and it was really funny. It wouldn't have been a lineup card, but so okay, Shedder on Friday, Martin on Saturday. But no. Okay, no. Shedder Friday, Killian Saturday, Martin Sunday. That's exactly what I would do. Because why I, I just changed my mind and convinced myself of this, because if you move back Davis Martin one day, you're saying, yes, we moved you back, but here's your chance to go win us the tournament. That'd be a good thing. Not only that, but I think... I, I may be completely wrong on this, but I believe he did got he did get moved back against I believe either Texas or Oklahoma State. So I don't think it would be the first time that he did not pitch on a Friday or a Saturday. So it is you would essentially be flipping your rotation and pitching backwards. Basically. 
as a one seed needing to win three games and not wanting to over stress or get really, you know, anxious going through this tournament, you need to win game one and games one and two. Um, going against a four seed, especially with Shedder having already faced him and done really well, I, I would I would really, you know, Michael, you've convinced me. Let's do Shedder on Friday. Killian, because I'm most confident in, in his ability as a normal weekend starter, put him on Saturday. And then Martin, you give him the ball and you tell us, you tell him, go win us the tournament. And you do it then. You sweep. You go 3-0. Correct. Of course, none of this will happen, probably knowing us, but who you knows? Say that and we then, can have we, we can be optimistic for once. I, I just don't I don't want to lose like I don't want to go 0 and 2. I don't want to go 1 and 2. I want to go I want to go 3 and 0. Now, I could understand like I I think I'd be okay if Tech were to win the the regional but lose in the super regional in 3 games. But you have to get out of the regional this year. Like not getting out of the regional last year was a travesty. Yeah, considering that was, in my opinion, the best team Tech had in baseball. Even though the final result didn't show it, I believe that was the best team Tech had. Yeah, so I going into this season, I I, I would say I think this season would have been better if every if it was. Well, full yeah, if Gingry doesn't get hurt and Martin doesn't all of a sudden implode. Yeah, he and Lanning. If, yeah, if he was just got injured. Like, I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, but he just kind of just disappeared. Pitched the first week, and then it's oh, he can't pitch anymore. And then obviously the offense this year, I've, I haven't gone back and checked. I know like guys like Grant Little and Josh Young have made huge steps this year over last year. It seems like this year has been more potent and more. Uh, more it's more consistent. More consistently powerful. I don't know if if you hit the 50 home runs you did last year. I don't believe we did. I think we had Hunter Hargrove, but that was the only consistent power source throughout last season. Yeah. So if everyone was full full health, I would say this year would be your more talented roster. But yeah. So, anyways, you need. I I really want to get out of the the regional this year. Um. You just. I don't want to see some junk pitcher throwing like two hundred pitches against you and you not being able to hit him. Cause I'm thinking back to the guy that we faced against Sam Houston state that I, I think threw like legit 170 pitches that weekend. I know he pitched, I believe like every game he pitched at least two or three innings. Yeah. Cause he was like their, their like number one starter. So he went first and then third, like he, he went game one and game three for them. And we faced him game three. And then, and then there was that guy that, that, I don't think it's the same guy, but there was a guy that threw super slow. I think in game four, where we like the d- double had the, the second try, play some. I try to forget that them. weekend, so my 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 uh, knowledge of that may not be what it was. But you know what? They're not in the tournament this year. We don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Suck it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at. Um, so. Last year's team, in terms of home runs, you had Orlando Garcia at 13, John McMillan at 8. That's 21. Yeah, but McMillan didn't play the whole time. That's kind of a... 
That's true because I think he's got one this year, which I I, I believe he played maybe played fifteen twenty games and only played like one game in the postseason. Well, he played twenty four games in twenty seventeen as a DH, whereas I think he's played two games or three games as DH this year and like he's it was super played a, early on. He's played a little more, but Zach Reams kind of told him I got this, so they just focused on pitching. Anyways, in terms of home runs. You've got 21. This is great podcasting, by the way. Research on the spot. Yo, I know you had Hargrove had a few there. Hargrove only had five. Ryan Long had five. I believe Josh Young had about three or four, I want to say. Josh Young had six. Cody Farr had three. Cody, uh, Grant Little had two. I think Grant Little's got a little bit more power this year. Yeah, no joke. Zach Reams had two. I don't remember him like playing at all last year. He started the year and then... Uh, I, I know him and Cam Warren started the year last year. I, I've been about this before. And then they got – Talak liked them a lot, tested them out, but then they got benched for eventually, I believe, Farhat took over one position, and um, they kind of switched out DH throughout the season. And it, was, it was actually a, a little bit higher than I was thinking. It wasn't like, I think it was in the mid to upper 40s in terms, in terms of home runs for 2017, 2018. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about three or four guys this year already – surpassed that well if you look at the top five guys all of them have 10 or more so that's that's 50 to four 57 home runs in your top five guys i'm telling you we're the late 90s rangers that's who this team is <laughs> and then you got a bunch of guys gabe holt cody farhat brian klein zane willems braxton fulford colt kurt wilson john mcmillian john mcmillan have five or fewer so you don't have as many guys hitting home runs but you've got majority of your like your top five guys, like I said, hit more than your entire team last year. And then Davis in the back lineup could go off at any at any uh, like any minute during the tournament, any inning, just all yeah. of a sudden just click it. Well, he, he, in terms of home runs, he's he's tied with Josh Young at eleven. He's got more than I, I remember. Cam Warren has ten. Grant Little has twelve. Zach Reams has thirteen. Pretty good, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> all right, so. I'm saying with our, our super knowledge of pitching rotation, Tech goes 3-0 this weekend, going Shedder, Killian, Martin, moving on to the Athens Super Regional as long, only if Georgia wins that regional. So Georgia is the number eight national seed. Um, in terms of seeding, we are ninth. So you have the 16 regional Speaking hosts. of ninth, I, think we, I actually think we got ranked too high. And it actually might might be a bad thing because if we go to the College World Series, our first matchup is Florida. You're you're looking way ahead, man. I said if <laughs> I'm looking at like getting out of the regional and who we we might face in the super. You're like, man, if once we get to Omaha, we're facing Florida. Like I'm just saying, if we if we somehow get get past these, our path does not look very good. I'm thinking if we play Florida, I want to. I just want to go against Jonathan India and have him hit a would-be double into left field and have him get thrown at a second every time he comes up to bat. Fair. I, that's, that's, that throw and that tag was ridiculous. Was that, it was Gardner, right? Gardner was the throw? Mm-mm. It was, uh, gosh, now I have to look it up. It wasn't Because I think, because I know Little was left. Garden, no, no, the Little wasn't there yet. It was Nestlonian left. It was wasn't last year. Yeah, it was Nestaloni. He threw he threw him out. Which was strange because he had some of the weakest arms I've ever seen for an outfielder at Tech. I remember me and my friend always comment about how he could hit 400, he could run around, but 
he's never going to throw you out. And then, gosh be darn, he threw someone out in the College World Series. Yeah, that, that throw was just ridiculous. It was maybe like a one bounce like from like deep, deep left field. It's very vague for me. I was working that day, so I don't remember exactly what happened. Well, I'm pulling up the video right now just so we can all... Just so all our listeners can watch it. Yep, just so they can watch it. So, okay, so Stephen Smith was in right field. I remember he almost ended the game like a pitch or two before because India had popped out to right and foul territory, but just far enough where Stephen Smith dove, barely missed it. That kid's always around baseball games, by the way. Yeah, so I, I going to a handful of baseball games this year at Tech, I saw him a lot. I saw Ryan Long quite a few times. I saw Ryan Orlando Wesley. Garcia a couple times. Who else? Hargrove? I think Hargrove was there for first pitch. I think I made a comment to you that he looked a little bigger than when he was in college. So some pounds. Gardner was in center. He was he was in center field. I'm pretty sure Nestloni was in left. Yeah, because he had a top play in like the first inning. Rob, yeah. sort of a triple or double. Yeah, it, it would have gone for extra base hits, definitely. Um, Stephen Smith was out in, in right. There's Goot hitting a home run. Very nice. And I know Hargrove was third, one of the main positions he played. He had Orlando at second. Michael Davis. No, Orlando at short. Michael Davis at second. Tyler Floyd behind the plate, I believe. Yeah, I, I was never a big fan of it. Like, it just seems like we haven't had a tech catcher that had any kind of consistent defense in terms of throwing guys out. Well, I mean, Hunter Redden was that the first year, uh, the first college World series year. He got drafted in the eighth round by the Dodgers. I mean, he made but that it, big... But isn't he also back on the on the coaching staff now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I believe <laughs> he's the first base coach now, but I remember during that Super Regional against call, uh, College of Charleston, I believe, uh, someone was running home and Saturday threw with the Redmond, and he made a great play to tag the runner out. We ended up winning 1-0, so... Now, since then, it's been kind of iffy. Floyd had a good arm, not the best protector since he's 5'9", but the catcher position defensively has definitely gone downhill since the first college World Series here. As long as a team doesn't steal as many bases as Sam Houston State does, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, I actually wrote about that. Like, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they went 7-for-7 seven seven the last their, their, their last two wins against us. It seemed like any time they got somebody on first— yeah, Their catcher was the one stealing the bags. Anytime that they got anybody on first, almost guaranteed he was going to try to steal. Like seven for seven in two games, like that's we we we's got to hope the team we're playing is not as aggressive. Yeah. So, um, all right, but let's look at a couple of our our recruiting points because when Labar's in the in the twenty three personnel podcast studio, we have to talk about recruiting. Um. Let's look at uh, at, at first at look at basketball because it looks like the twenty the twenty eighteen class. Um, you're getting pretty close to closing that out. You've got uh, two spots left. Technically one, but I think they may be able, depending if a uh, guy CJ Roberts, right? Yeah, I think there's some rumor about CJ Roberts going around or Josh Webster well, or if someone sides to transfer. I I think what we've heard is that CJ Roberts is currently serving a suspension, and there is a possibility that he doesn't come out of that suspension he's either released or not released but like he either leaves or which really uh, sucks for me because even though i already have an irving head coach that'd be an irving player leaving i need to have as many irving guys as possible but uh speaking of the 
that extra scholarship spot, there is an interesting twist where you have Kellen McCellular, cellular, I believe. McCuller. McCuller, something. Anyway, well, uh, I, I'm just I'm just reading his name. Anyway, his dad was a linebacker at Texas Tech, I believe, in the late '90s. Yeah, and he, and he just recently got, got bumped up to a four star, didn't he? No, no, they, he he's been a four star, but he was 2019. He's now 2018, but he'd be enrolling in January. Now I don't know exactly like how he would do this, but perhaps maybe there's a possibility you could open a scholarship or give him like some sort of grant for like the first six months. Or you would just leave that scholarship open for him for that first semester. But what if you get the next two guys we to talk about? What if one of them commit? Then you have zero scholarships, and then what if this guy wants to come later? Is, is, then is I it, say bye to... I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a very interesting dilemma, but I think we've seen Beard kind of... Which is weird. We, we we saw this when he first got hired. He kind of pushed out Tubby's freshman, CJ Williamson, Jordan Jackson, and uh, some other like Canadian guy or foreign guy. He, he he did so little here. I can't even remember his name. But he uh, but I think he kind of pushed them out to create scholarships. So maybe he does that again, or maybe they find some money for like six months, or possibly they can convince him this this day in uh high school or not come to campus right away. Who knows. Or you look at one of your guys and say, "Hey, can we can we have you walk on for year one?" Yeah, like have like have them walk on for for a semester, possibly. Yeah, cause I, I'm not sure how that would work in basketball because of the the sport crossing over the semester. Because I, I know you can do that for football because it's like if you're looking at a senior, you, you can release their their scholarship basically after December and bring in guys like that. Well, I know we had a this isn't tech, but. Doug McDermott a few years ago did that for Creighton where he forfeited a scholarship. I'm not sure if it was a semester or a whole year and he gave it to a, a player that was more in need, one of the walk-on players who was about to leave due to money issues. So perhaps maybe one of them gives it up. I have, but uh, but Kevin McCuller, or McCuller, whatever his name is, uh, right now, uh, like I said, he's a tech legacy. He has five official visits during summer, Texas Tech being the second of those visits, which – I'm not crazy about. I'd rather have that towards the end if you're going to have a guaranteed five visits, basically. Yeah, so he's taken four of those five. I'm looking at it on 24-7. Looks like he's got four of those five within like a two-week span. He goes June, t- June 10th, June 13th, 15th, and then the 21st. So four visits in 11 days, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, and he's he's also kind of what Tech wants in a guy of, Six six, big body, can switch on defense. Basically, another one of these Jared Culver type clones. Yeah, so he's listed as a forward, which I think is interesting because if you look at the other guy that we can't pronounce his name, Bothgach. Bothgach. I don't know. B o t h. His first name G a c h. He's listed as a guard at six seven. Basically, it means that he's a little. He's not as strong as as what I would guess. So I wonder if he's more of like a shooting forward, like a small forward. I don't know, because he's not listed as, as a forward. Now, he's the guy you mentioned that got bumped to a four-star, which actually which actually reminds me a lot of Zaire Smith coming out of high school. Because I believe he committed Tech in May, which was after all the recruiting process. Really didn't pick up a lot of these you know, D1 scholarships till late. I mean, he had about 10, 12 scholarships, but a lot of the early ones were not as they weren't power of five schools or anything. So he's kind of like in that same situation where he's athletically gifted, got noticed kind of late, 
became really high recruit as of late and all these D1 scholarships are coming his way and now I believe he's down to San Diego State, Texas Tech and some other school. I can't remember the third one. His profile is showing 9, so I don't think it's been updated yet. So yeah, you've got you've got three guys left on your radar, one spot, probably a second scholarship opening up somehow some way. So you can take two of them. You you could probably comfortably take two of them before you start getting kind of shady and asking people to leave. Well, the thing about that uh Keontae Kennedy guys, he's committing Wednesday, uh, March 30th. So we'll know then. I think he's not coming here. You mean but May 30th isn't like tomorrow? As in tomorrow, depending on when this drops. It could be tomorrow, could be today, could well, have been yesterday. Well, yeah, so we're recording Tuesday the 29th. It will go up. Well, if you listen to it on Podbean or iTunes, it'll go up tonight. <laughs> if you're listening to it from Staking the Plains, it'll be on the 30th. Anyways, he, he announces his commitment tomorrow. Between SMU, Xavier, which was his original commitment before the coach left, and Texas Tech. But I have not heard a whole lot about him in Tech, and I just don't have a good feeling it's going to be Tech. Yeah, so if you look at the, the crystal ball, the predictions on 24-7, it's got a, a heavy lean towards SMU and then to Xavier. So it looks like it's a 60-30 everybody else. Is Larry Brown still SMU? I don't... I don't I thought get, he was. He might be. I no, guess the appeal. I guess the appeal to SMU is Dallas because they're kind of in and out of the tournament, but they keep on getting these high start guys. I don't. I don't well, get that the and, there. and you would be the big, big fish playing in the. But then again, it is Larry the Brown. The American. I mean, who knows how many scandals Larry Brown has been in? Because he, he got that five star that was it was down to Tech and SMU a couple years ago, and then like almost immediately came out. Yeah, it was oh, Keith Frazier, another Irving guy. Oh yeah, and then it's like, oh look, he cheated. And now he's <laughs> and now he's at UTEP, which that's an interesting I mean, move. <laughs> no offense, no offense to UTEP, but they have a hundred percent acceptance rate. So him not having good grades <laughs> probably allowed him to play there. That that that, that is not at all. Just by the way, it's just he needed somewhere he could play. UTEP's a lot of kids get into UTEP. He probably figured. At least I don't have to worry as much as I would at SMU or Texas Tech. Yeah, so it looks like if you're looking at um, possibilities of the three guys, you're looking at two, the both Both Gok and Kevin McCuller are your more likely commits. Both are four-star guys. Yeah, hopefully at least one of them. Yeah. As long as, long as Tech gets one of these three four-stars, then I think we can call the 2018 recruiting class an extreme extremely successful uh, successful yeah you would think like so that you would get more four stars and you've signed since yeah, like yeah, 2007 yeah, you would have cave on more top 50 guy you would have one of those three guys which is a four star you would have if not two of those three guys well if cj can't play but cj who was a high three star low four star depending on what service you looked at the sean corp crew which uh corp crew who was a four star out of high school and who's the number two Juco at South Plains. And then you have Kyler Edwards, who's a high three-star, but maybe the sneakiest recruit in this 2018 class, has kind of a perfect body for Beard system. So you can't get much better than that. Yeah, it's going to be a good recruiting class, regardless of how it ends up. It closes up here in the next couple of weeks. And then you have football. <laughs> Completely different. We actually had one of the questions. This one came in from my brother, Preston. Um, he's a little more down on on tech football recruiting, especially when uh, 
was it Martin Zeno? No, that's basketball. <laughs> Zeno. Jacob, I think it's Jacob Zeno. He was San Antonio John Jay. He was a high three-star quarterback. The reason why I probably asked that question is because he visited Tech. He seemed like he really liked Tech, and then all of a sudden it's Baylor for like a month or two when he committed to the, the school in Waco last week. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, now the top quarterback option is a low three-star quarterback from San Angelo Central. And I, I can't tell if it's if they're trying to just sunshine pump or what, but they're like they're blowing a lot of smoke about this guy. Um, Mc, I mean, there's McIver. a lot of schools. There is a lot of schools visiting Maverick McIver. By the way, what an awesome for, for, for those who didn't know, his dad played at UT, so it'd be kind of a flipping the sides there. But he has got a lot of visitors during the spring, so maybe he's he's not as highly recruited as some of the other guys, but it's not like he's just some off the wall quarterback. Like he's starting to get some attention. Yeah, he's dual threat, twenty nineteen class, six three, one ninety five, hundred percent predicted to go to Texas Tech. Other schools of interest, Arizona State, Boise State, Bowling Green, Colorado State. If you look closer, they've got So they're competing with a bunch of schools with not super high offenses there. Iowa looks like UL Lafayette, Minnesota, North Carolina. Minnesota is really hard on them. North Texas, Ole Miss, Rutgers, uh, UTSA, UTEP, and Washington State. Of course, of course, Tech offers a quarterback, and Mike Leach does the same thing. It's like he just waits for for our guys to to, to offer a quarterback. Yeah, I. That's, see, that's I agree. Thing, that's the thing about all these air power, air raid guys, all these like explosive high offenses. You could probably bet a lot of money that one of the first, or, like two or three schools to offer, one of them will be either it will be either Washington State or Texas Tech. It's always that way. But I can. But as far as the recruiting class goes, with the question about how come you know we can't pull as many guys as we did in say uh, 2015. Yeah, his exact words says, "Seems like he can't recruit dirt to Lubbock." <laughs> and that's really hard considering there already is a lot of dirt to love it. There is. But, um, Dust storms like every day. But I think the reason why is because back in 2014, 2015, when we started getting these high guys, you had this young 33-year-old coach just coached up Johnny Manzo, who you know high school kids loved because of the flair and the well, what he brought to the game. His obnoxious nature. Yeah, and you thought, oh, there's this guy who has – great who's who can make a great offense he's gonna do a lot of great things at tech he's gonna win eight plus games every year but the thing is the product just didn't show they won eight years that first year mostly Tuberville guys then it went down to four then to seven then to five then to six and it's just kind of been average as far as wins and losses go and below average as far as conference records go so cliff can no longer preach the we have a lot of promise here thing. Except if you look at putting NFL uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, he hasn't coached a guy that hasn't started at tech that hasn't gone to the NFL. Yeah. That, that's the one plus he's got is Patrick Mahomes. Well, like, you know, Davis Martin was also the NFL. Davis Martin too, but Baker Mayfield went for number one overall. But I think another thing also is that it's not like these guys are big enough to average like high school people. Or high school recruits are going to be like, oh, you coached him? Except for Manziel. Except for Manziel, but Manziel's also a recovering alcoholic in the Canadian football league now. (laughs) 
Well, like I said, you, you can also point to Mahomes, who was going to be starting for the Chiefs this year. Yeah, so I think just a combination of those things. Just now, maybe if Mahomes just goes off this year, he'd be like, "Yeah, I coached that guy," and then maybe the quarterbacks come up again. But that's the reason why we can't get all these guys. It's just, hey, um, you want to finish with six wins this season, or do you want to win? You know, eight, nine, ten, and go to a decent bowl game and not get. Yeah, I mean that's just the that's just the heart harsh recruiting of it so now you gotta find these low to mid three stars a few guys here and there that are like legacies and want to come here you gotta be able to coach those guys well enough to be in that eight nine one category and then you can recruit like you did in 2014 2015 again where it's like hey look what i can do look what we're going to do yeah you you just need to win one more games obviously we've been talking about that or you know you You give a kid a hundred thousand dollars too but it's one of the two. <laughs> I wonder why we aren't paying our recruits. <laughs> Anyways, so we've kind of touched on this a little earlier, but it was a question about um, starting a pitcher with bad ERA in game one of the Big 12 tournament. So she's ref- this is this question's coming from Amy Nelson at A-N-L-I-N-A Designs. Um, Austin, Texas. Referring back to starting Sublette in game one of the Big 12 tournament, I think... One, because looking at the length of that tournament, um, un- then, it's, again, it's also unlikely that you're going to be competing for the the competing for the championship. Sorry, I just blanked on that word. And if you were, you kind of needed to win it to make any sort of movement as far as where you were going to play. Yeah, so the, the, there wasn't a lot of upside to going all out to win the tournament. You also need to figure out who you had. I think you figured out you don't have a guy in sublet. So you, you, you figured that, that out. That's exactly what you need to do. It's a tournament, and, it's a tournament situation. You, you kind of preach to them that, Hey, this is a big deal. What, how did they respond to that? The, the guys out, that pitched with sublet and then Freeman did not respond. Yeah. So maybe we'll see less of them. Hope Meanwhile, so. They, they, I think they combined for what? 14 walks. I did not watch that game. I think I was I was watching the I think I was watching the Celtics and I saw it was twelve to two and I was like nope. <laughs> and uh, you saw Shatter and Harper do well, so you find out okay these are the guys I can trust. You also saw the catcher position. You saw a little bit more Braxton Fulford. So it looks like okay Fulford did not play bad. Maybe he's the guy I should throw out there this weekend. It's basically a. These games don't mean that much. It's basically uh, postseason, preseason, if that makes any sense in the wording. Sure, yeah. You, you're looking at your first postseason play that isn't all that meaningful. Correct. So so I think I, I love what Talak did. I think we found a lot of answers, and I think we have a good idea now about who should be out there. And then we can all get mad when that doesn't happen. Yeah, we're all going to throw our arms up. Talak, why did you not start? Shedder. Well, it's a four-four game, and he threw in a guy who's walked like fifty people <laughs> this year. She also asked, "What happened to Davis Martin?" Again, I don't know. Besides, he just kind of went through a rough spot and then hasn't fully recovered that, that, mentally. I guess. My theory also is that maybe that lingering arm thing is not quite ready yet. Because when, because I think he hurt that in late March last year. I don't know how long those things usually last, but maybe it's a thing where he didn't pitch. Because I don't think he pitched that much during the fall, so maybe it was a. It doesn't quite feel comfortable yet. Like you need a year of to actively recover from it. That it looked like even through most of the season, his his innings 
were pretty limited. He didn't seem to go very deep into games. No, he kept getting pulled after 80 pitches, which is why I think maybe Tadlock's thinking, okay, even though he pitched in the last season, like maybe this guy's not 100%. I care about my players. I'm not going to ruin his draft stock. I'm not going to get him even more injured. We're just going to give him 80, 90 pitches, and he's done. And she she wraps up with, can we hope for neither to recur in the regional? So she's talking about the bad start from Sublette and then a, a below below average start for Martin. Um, I don't expect Sublette. Martin's kind of up in the air. If we look at their past starts, maybe that happens. Maybe Talek will only let him go three innings, four innings. Who knows? If you're getting to Sublette, I think... Something's Something wrong, wrong happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, e- e- either that or he lost the first game and it's been an uphill battle. And it's like, oh, well, it's game five. We won. We've won three in a row. And you don't who, have who do we have else? left? Look in the bullpen. Sub that's just there waving. Like, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. God, I feel so bad for the kid. I feel like we're ripping him apart for no reason. He's, he's just young and inconsistent. Um, If he can get over the start he had in Oklahoma City. I don't know. See, I, I, Although, speaking I, I, of I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call on him to start a game. Like, if we're going to see him in the regional, I want him coming in as a reliever, just an innings eater, basically. If if that's part of his game, unless he's like mentally, he has to be a starter. Otherwise, he's just he's off. Speaking of which, which what happened to John Henry Gonzalez? I feel like he's just falling off the face of the earth. Yeah, I, his name popped up. I, I can't remember reading about it, but it was the same type of thing. They were asking what happened to him and just haven't seen him um he seemed decent last year from what i remember i mean he had stuff but i mean he, he had his, he also started for, for a while he was like that. he started well in the beginning he had he was he was pitching that 13 to 1 win over arizona who was like number nine at the time then he struggled for a start martin gets hurt they put him in the friday slot and it was just all downhill from there and we, we have we have a Two questions from Michael, who should have been here recording tonight, but he decided his teeth didn't feel too good. It's weak sauce, by the way, Michael. How excited are you for Cavs v. Warriors round four? On a scale of one to ten, a one. Or zero. I don't care. Um, as much as we were a couple years ago talking about the rematch between LSU and Alabama for the national championship game. Well, I like rematches if the... Part one was great. Like Alabama Clemson, I appreciated all three Alabama Clemsons, the two in the championship game and the one in the semifinal. Though those three were all good games, I thought. Sure. The, be- the best one was the one that Clemson won, but I remember all three of those games. Warriors and Cavs were good for two years, and then the Warriors added Kevin Durant, and it's like, well, this is okay. And it's I'm not. I'm not just saying this because my team got eliminated when they should have won. If literally <laughs> more than, sour grapes, he's being salty over here. If you know someone other than a 20 year old and a grandpa didn't show up, but I, but at least the Celtics had the men to at least give the Warriors at least some challenge. What they would have won? No, the Warriors still probably would have won five or five, but at least it wouldn't be like, oh, well, no one can guard him because this team doesn't play defense and only one guy's good on the team. <laughs> I, I want to know how you can root for a team with Marcus Smart on it. Well, funny thing, I actually like Marcus Smart. <laughs> I'm I, I I liked him before the whole like push the old man thing, but I don't think we need to get into why I like him because I could sit here for for like thirty minutes. I argue with my brother, a Celtic fan, all the time about why he's good. I'm I don't think we need a Marcus Smart conversation in a Texas Tech podcast. 
So, yeah, so we've talked about this before. I'm not a big NBA fan outside of the, the Mavericks. They haven't been good in several years and now. And since the Mavericks aren't playing like an NBA team, you're not a fan of the NBA right now. It's true. <laughs> um, you know, they, they they look like they, they've drafted a couple uh, decent pieces in Dennis Smith Jr. and the guy they got this year. I'm already blank on his name. The guy that doesn't exist no, yet? No, not this year. Maybe, I don't know. Dennis Smith was 2017, and this year they haven't drafted yet. So, right. Okay. So I, I, I think I'm, I was thinking about a projection they were looking yeah, at. Yeah, the projected pick. Yeah. Anyways, they they need to be building towards a Nowitzki-less future, because um, that 40 year old is going to move on eventually. I mean, he's already not the same guy. He's basically a bench player at this point, anyway. Yeah. Who's who's starting? Essentially, right? I, I don't see. I don't even. I, I, they're just so bad. I don't. I don't. I think he starts some games. I don't think he starts every game. So, but I, anyway, I, answer this question. I think my excitement excitement's at a two or a three. I'll be more interested probably in the Stanley Cup playoffs this time around. Yeah. The other thing, as a casual NBA fan, from what I've heard, it's basically LeBron James versus the Warriors, I and mean, he's pretty worn out at this point. Yeah. He. That's why I was so mad that Celtics lost because it was. A worn-out LeBron and a bunch of scrubs. And, of course, they didn't show up for Game 7. Yeah. Except for a guy who can't even order a drink at a bar. <laughs> Too young to get a drink. All right, Michael's last question. I'm out on Tech hosting a Super Region, but do you think they will make one? So, for, to, to recap, we mentioned this. For Tech to be able to host a Super Regional, we're matched up with the winner of the, the Georgia Regional. Um, anybody except... Georgia winning that regional would mean that Tech would host if Tech also won. Unless Tech also becomes incredibly, incredibly cheap. What do you mean? I think if they just didn't want to put the money, they could go to a Duke. But obviously Tech's not going to be cheap, so yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I think as a one seed, as a number nine national seed, I think they would jump on the opportunity to host because they, they did that when they had uh, College of Charleston. Yeah, because I remember there were some ago. people thinking like, is Tech actually going to want to host this thing? But, I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah. So for for Tech to host, like I said, you, you obviously have to win your regional, and then of the four teams in the Georgia regional, anybody but Georgia to win, then exactly. then you could host. Um, his he's so Michael doesn't think that we'll host a super regional. I don't disagree because it would take several things to happen. Well, Duke's not that bad, and George. I mean, George is good, but. I don't think they're like they're not they're not a Florida or an Ole Miss or a Oregon State. So I mean, Duke's always had a solid baseball program. Duke could Duke could upset him. I could see it. It's definitely a possibility. It would be kind of interesting to see the matchup, a baseball matchup in June, and then a basketball matchup in in December between Texas Tech and Duke. That would be fun. Would kind of complete the trifecta if we were also playing Duke in like non-conference football in like September. Now the question is, if all three of those things happen, how many of them is Tech winning? One, if I would say two. You think we win in football and baseball? Because we ain't being the basketball. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not super excited or thrilled about that game in Madison Square Garden. To be honest, I just want to see a one of Duke's top recruits, Zion Williamson, just dunk on somebody. Dude, as long like as top the, recruits, they got like three of the top five. They got the number one recruit, number two, number three, number like five, number like twenty-one. I feel sorry for the 21 guy. Like, hey, I'd be a top recruit anywhere, but here I'm like the, 
the kind of like the 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 scapegoat of the of the yeah he's like five. like the lowest recruit like lowest ranked guy is still... he's gonna be the Mario Chalmers of that group of the Miami Heat like hey what are you like what are you doing get it together and anywhere else he'd be the star yeah it's just ridiculous they're um that signing class this year anyways um but Michael says do you think they will make one I think. You win games one and two, you're you're in a good spot. You you, you obviously favored. You you should have a pretty easy job. Because as we would to win game one. Because as we saw earlier this year, Louisville's weekday starts aren't exactly anything hot either. Yeah, so I think you you have a better than fifty fifty chance of making it to a super. You just got to win game one with Shatter, not Martin or Killian. I think that's the way to go. Okay. All right, last thing. What we learned this week. You got anything earth-shattering over there? Well, as far as tech sports go, not much. I've, there I've hasn't been a whole lot of news this week. What so. I have learned is something that I kind of knew is I hate driving long distances. I drove from Lug to Dallas and then Dallas to Kilgore, which is right outside of kind of between Longview and Tyler, then back to Dallas, then back to Lubbock. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the only long distance driving I do is between Lubbock and Dallas. So anything like, like you get to that five and a half hour mark in the car, I'm just getting like really antsy to get out. Even if, if I'm not going to Dallas or I'm spending more than six hours in the car, I'm like, I think it's fine I'm once ready you hit to be the city because it's kind of like a change of pace and the change of scenery, just the speed's different, everything's different. But when it's just like a constant, it's when it's annoying. Like, and vacate uh every summer my uh family members in uh kilgore they rent a place in gulf shores alabama which is like 10 hours away from kilgore 12 hours from dallas and i've made that trick a decent amount of times and there's some times where i'm just like do we really want to go they really want to send the car for 12 hours and then a <laughs> week later do 12 more hours no it's it's, it's brutal I wish I, I wish flying was incredibly cheap. That'd be so much better. Yeah, that's the other thing. I I like I have a lot of PTO accrued at work that I I want to start using. I'm like, well, I, I should just go, you know, visit my parents in, in Dallas. And I was like, well, I should, you know, we have two vehicles. One not super reliable, so I'm not like I don't want to take it. It's also really bad on gas. So we've thought about either renting a car or flying out, but. You know, even if you catch like the Southwest one day deals, like they're what sixty bucks per person per way. It's like that. If it was me and Grayson to go, well, that's, that's not like two hundred fifty dollars before tax. But I mean, like Greyhounds, if you, if you ride the Greyhound bus, that's <laughs> that's, that's like fifty dollars. So it's but not it's also bad like twenty four hours on a bus from here to Dallas. No, not exactly. I mean, it's ends up becoming. I, I've ridden this a few times because my car was pretty crap for a few years. But it doesn't take you directly to Lubbock, so that's like a seven-hour trip if you want to go from Lubbock to Dallas, basically seven, eight hours. Okay, this says anywhere between seven and a half hours and ten hours, depending on how long you stop. But, I mean, I, I, I understand your point. If it's one guy going, like typically I did when I fly, that's not a huge deal. But, yeah, yeah if you're all a second person, like, oh, yeah, I don't know If that. you're all flying, that's $180. You driving, it's maybe like $25 in gas one way, $25.30, depending on your vehicle. Maybe up to 40 if you have a low mileage car or truck. Yeah, so it would be in the truck, and it would probably be 45 to 50 each way. 
So, I mean, if it's one person, that's not bad. But I can understand if it's, you know, your whole family, basically. Um, what did I learn this week? I learned, shoot, it's difficult. I learned we got super lucky with the, uh, the hailstorm. I don't know how we did it though. So our neighbor next door, um, she had significant roof damage. Like I said, our houses are maybe six feet apart. We had, uh, our brother-in-law who was an insurance adjuster get up on our roof and checked it out. He said, you may have had one decent hail hit up there and our neighbor is potentially looking at replacing her six month old roof. Jeez. So, um, we got super lucky. This it happened on Saturday night that we were coming back from Nashville when I was out there for a, a conference. Um, the truck that was parked out front of our house did not have any hail damage on it. Um, the house, like, like I said, had one probable hit of hail the car it was parked at the airport didn't have any any hail damage, so we got pretty lucky with that. Yeah, I just got a new car. Or I should not new; it's used, but it's new to new, you. It's new that? to me. Back in March, and since then I've hailed like four or five times here. Jeez, like, <laughs> you, you couldn't do this in my old car, just yeah. And, and we're just not getting into the the stormy season, really. Which is funny because the last time you were here, you were concerned about actually driving all the way out to my house. Was, yeah, my car is so bad. I was worried about driving 10 miles. I was like, I don't know if I can make it. My car might break down on the way there. This is the most I've driven it in like three years. <laughs> I, I was prepared to go pick him up, but didn't happen. He made it here. Got a new car, so good to go. And one last thing and things I learned today. When you graduated and you don't have a plan, you find yourself doing a lot of like random stuff. A lot of sitting around watching Netflix. A lot of like, oh, that movie looks good, but you would never, ever watch before that. <laughs> That's Cause right. Because there's, there's only so much you could apply for before you're just sitting there like, well, now I wait. That's right, because Labar did graduate from Texas Tech was it a week ago. It was about a week and a half ago, May 18th. That's right. So Congrats. about 11 days ago. Thanks. But it's a lot of, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just kind of freeballing it and see what happens. I drove back to Dallas just because I didn't know what to do here, really. <laughs> you got some time off. Yeah. Since I wasn't even, I'm not working either right now. Well, so as long as just, you got the, the gas money, I guess. It's just kind of doing stuff I never thought I would do. Just kind of like, oh, well, this, well, this will kill about 30 minutes of my time. <laughs> downloading and playing a lot of apps like Bejeweled and it's like a weird Yahtzee game. <laughs> it's not Yahtzee exactly, but some like strange form of it. Yeah, I, I, I so have if a you small need a good, handful of games. So if you need a good game app, I'm probably your guy to go to <laughs> right now. Alright, so if you need any, any game recommendations, hit up Labar. Um, if you don't know where you can find them, Michael, why don't you go ahead and share your, your Twitter handle? At Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, underscore lab, L-A-B. It's a bunch of recruiting, and occasionally, if I, since I hate Twitter, just random Boston stuff, so I don't get bored to death. He also hates, like, the super emotional fans that are either super sunshine-pumping or super negative. I'm a math major. What, what, what do you expect out of me? Very I'm the guy analytical, that, very, uh, very composed. I'm, I'm the guy that looks at a plan like, oh, he should have done that, he should have done this. No, there's nothing to me, it's just a me thing, but it's nothing more annoying than sitting next to a guy that's either, oh, my team's always good, we're always, we're, I mean, we, we should win like 
eight games in football this year. We should, you know, we have one of the best offenses around. We have, well, <laughs> well, well actually, we do on that part, but Most it's just like everything's positive. We're only going up from here. And then the total opposite, the that's a foul, and it's like happened like every 30 seconds. It's like, well, not everything's a foul, and if it is, do you want them to call it every time? See, that second fan that he just described is probably me. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm not gonna lie. During some games during our Slack chats, I see you going like, "I'm just gonna <laughs> chomp notifications for like five hours. I'll see y'all later." Mobby. I don't want to hear you talking about some goaltending when we're up ten. Oh, it's a goaltend. He hit it off the backboard. <laughs> like, yeah. We also probably did it to them too one time. Whatever, man. Whatever. All right. So, McDonald, you might be losing your spot. Labar came in here, filled in admirably, especially talking about baseball. Also, we will be at the at least one of the regional games, hopefully Saturday night in the winner's bracket for Tech as well. If it goes to Monday, I'll be at that game as well. Hopefully your seat's not in the – I mean, it is in the sun, but hopefully it's not too bad. The The Friday afternoon game will be in the sun a while because, well, I know when we were there earlier this spring, we were in the shade by about 3, but that first game on Friday is going to start at 1. So I got the sunscreen. I'm going to have to bring lots of sunscreen, a bottle to, to reapply because I'm going to get burned if I don't. Um, so with that, thanks for listening to episode 20 of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I, You know what? I was just thinking we need to do some kind of special episode for episode 23. Episode 23 of the 23 Personnel Podcast. We're going we're gonna to do something special for that. I don't know what it is, but we'll figure it out. Um. For Michael, I'm Spencer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week once we know where Tech Baseball is headed.